Uh, for those who don't know, we went six months ago to go and work at Crossroads Foundation, uh, who have been working in Hong Kong for about 20 years. Uh, and what are we doing? We're doing uh, Crossroads... Crossroads' motto is where need meets resource, right? So there's lots of need in the world and there's lots of resource in the world. And how can we connect those two things together, okay? One of the ways that Crossroads does that is by taking very, very generous, high-quality donations in Hong Kong and redistributing them to people who need them. That's called global distribution. About half of what we do goes around the world. I'll show you some nice pictures of that. And the other half goes back into Hong Kong. Um, Hong Kong is a very wealthy city, a very status-driven city, but like any city, there's a mixture of people who have a lot and people who don't have so much. Um, so that's global distribution. Global handicrafts is built on the idea of not just giving out fish, but giving fishing nets, not just giving people aid, but giving them a way to generate an income. Um, and so the, uh, we have a fair trade shop on site. We try and resource projects that make cards, make products, make toys, make lovely wooden things that... Um, can be sold to keep children happy. Um, so there, there are two parts of the work. If I step slightly to the side, one of the other lo lovely donations we got this season was uh, a local wholesaler that gave us 200 brand new buggies. Right, These things aren't cheap, but they were, they were the end of a batch. So what do you do if you've got 200 spare buggies? You give them to Crossroads and we give them out. Um, about half of them again into Hong Kong and half will go overseas. Uh, what's it look like in Hong Kong? Let me just introduce to you a lady called May. May uh, was referred to us by this charity called Light B. Uh, May is supported by social welfare, which uh, means she doesn't have an income, her family circumstances isn't so good. The father of her little girl is no longer on the scene. Uh, that's her little girl. And this is her living space, okay? Um, this, in this corner, is, just to put out some furniture, this is an office desk that she picked up somewhere along the way, and she was referred to us just as some more practical furniture. So she came and looked around our warehouse. This is one of our community volunteers who comes. She's, she's got the tape measure, because she's got a very exact space, okay? This is her lounge, living room, bedroom, are all in that one photo, okay? So she came, had a little look, picked out these things, these nice, colourful things were donated at some point. Uh, they were the exact right size, so back in her flat then, um, fitting them, installing them, putting the child on top. No seatbelt, never mind. Um, but there we are, a slightly more practical living space. And then in the shared space, they have you know, three or four different single mums also have a shared space, so a little bit of storage for shoes and those good things. So just making life a little bit more practical, resourcing people who, who don't have so much. Uh, that's the kind of thing in Hong Kong. But then sometimes we'll get like really big donations, like 45,000 fluffy seals. In case you're wondering what volume that is, that's one entire shipping container. Uh, no one in the world needs that many seals. But there's lots of people who'd like a few seals. So we did actually, within three months, they went to this group. Uh, this one's being eaten. Uh, and this group. Um, so they all went back out within three months. So we do get some very strange things where we kind of scratch our heads and go, what, what particular need are we going to meet with these? But they're great, right? They're great and they're cute. Aww. And how about overseas? So that's all in Hong Kong. Uh, overseas, this is one of the shipments that just arrived quite recently. We shipped to Zambia. Uh, and this particular project is on the, the border of Zimbabwe. 
and, and the heart of Crossroads is we're not creating schools and sending teachers and doing all of the work. But there are lots of people around the world who are doing those things. And, and they, they're, they're probably running a school on a budget of 5,000 US dollars a year, right? And if they have to come up with $20,000 to refurbish and equip a school, that's huge for them. It's absolutely huge. And it will take them years to fundraise that. Whereas if we can drop in a container of resources that takes them from a, a, a small starting project with a, a little ongoing expenditure to an established project, that saves them all of that fundraising and, and actually deploys some useful resources out of uh, Hong Kong. Um, so we're always looking for the projects that probably have a partner already, uh, often a local church, sometimes a local charity or business, um, that, that just need that injection of resource to help them on their way. Uh, so this is where they were. This is the specific charity called Go Ye Therefore Zambia, and their vision is an empowered society taking charge of their lives. Uh, they sent us... Uh, uh, they applied for a shipment. They sent us information on the, some of the social needs, some of the economic needs in the area. Um, we then do a, quite a detailed process of uh, analyzing what they, what they need specifically, what we can fit inside a container. This is the container arriving. And then these are their fo feedback photos. So uh, school filled with school desks and chairs. Hong Kong is lovely for this. There are some lovely, wasteful schools that every three years will go let's throw away all our chairs and get new ones, right? <laughs> we go, thank you very much, they're great. Um, so uh, this school, I think, runs three different classes through 120 children a day, having access to decent furniture. Uh, this is the banner outside. And then these are the fun bits to send, right? So one, one other school donated us an uh, outdoor playground, which wasn't quite the right size. After they bought it, they decided they wanted a new one. So we quite often get these. And they're just such a joy to be able to see sent out and in situ and in use again. Because right? an outdoor playground is always a wonderful thing. Elise agrees, really. Uh, so this is what we do. We load containers in Hong Kong. Uh, this is the, the part of the work I'm closest to. Um, lifting and shifting and pallet jacks and containers um, to try and give different organizations all over the world a boost. Uh, at the moment, overseas, about uh, half of our work is into that central strip of Africa, so Nigeria, Cameroon, Uganda, Zambia, Zimbabwe, that sub-Saharan section, and then the rest around Asia, India, uh, Southeast Asia. Uh, meanwhile, back at Hong Kong, Laura does beautiful things artistically, and I can talk about this and embarrass Laura because she's right here, right? Uh, so this is uh, a little hut for the children to play in in the shop. It's a mud hut, but when we got there, it was just a mud hut, and now it's a beautiful mud hut, which... We all like. Uh, and then this is Laura again painting uh, a Chinese traditional village style art installation which goes in the fair trade shop um, which is themed by different nations around the world. So there's a Chinese section, a Latin American section, an African section. Um, so this is another of Laura's art projects. We're back for three weeks. She's not currently available for private commissions but you know, <laughs> book early if you would like something artistic done. And then who are these, Sarah? We're playing. There's a lot of playing. And what's happening over here? We're having a photo. Having a photo where you're all hugging a lot. So this is the children of the other people on team, including our three. Um, there is a kindergarten called Bear Care, and there's a school called uh, the Teaching and Learning Center, TLC, uh, which we think stands for Tim and Laura's children. But 
or tender loving care. Or we make a new one every week, but it's TLC anyway. Uh, so there's uh, families there from the US, Australia, Zambia, uh, and resident in Hong Kong as well. So a few different nationalities in the school. And our three love it. This was Illy singing um, The Wheels on the Bus, Go Round and Round, where the mummies on the bus go chatter, chatter, chatter. And I learned a new chorus, the daddies on the bus go shh, shh, don't they? Uh, so this is, uh, the kids are getting on well as well. Um, and just to say thank you for supporting us as we're out in Hong Kong, it means a lot to know that uh, you are thinking of us here and praying for us. Um, and if you're passing that way, or if you'd like to, there is always plenty going on. Um, our three little tour guides here would love to show you around, love to get you involved in doing beautiful creative things or packing containers or as you like. Uh, I'm just going to pass over to Laura. So she gets a turn. Um, yeah, we just wanted to say a really big thank you again. Um, and uh, just a few uh, prayer points uh, from us just again, uh, just thanks for the uh, way that the Father has provided um, for us, but also for the different people that we serve and the precious stories that we get to hear and just his heart of provision for them. Just thank, thank you for that. Um, and also in uh, September, um, early October, we're hoping to take um, the kids on a service trip um, to um, North Thailand. And we're, uh, the idea is that the kids will kind of catch an idea of who it is that we're serving. Um, and we're going to go and uh, work with uh, an orphanage for a weekend, and we're going to run a kids' camp for them. And so I would love your prayer for that whole trip, that we would go and be a blessing, and that the, ca- the kids would um, just catch a, a bigger glimpse of what it is that we're doing. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Well, thank you. Let's just pray for these guys. Father, we want to thank you so much for this delightful family and the wonderful time they're having in Hong Kong and all that they're learning and doing and distributing. And Lord, what a fantastic project to have so many resources that just don't go to waste but are redistributed around the world into places of need. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that this, you would bless this project, that it would continue to grow, and that you would give uh, Tim and Laura wisdom in all that they do within that setting. We pray for them as a family, Lord, uh, especially as they go off to uh, northern Thailand, Lord, and the kids are, are ministering. We, Lord Jesus, we pray for your hand to be upon that time, and it would, uh, they would grow in you and know who you were and see the bigger picture of all that is happening out of that little place in Hong Kong. So, Lord, we pray for this time at home. Pray especially for Tim as he goes to visit his uh, parents and his dad's not so good. We pray that it would be a good time for them as a family and that you would be close to them. So, bless them, we pray, in this three-week whizzing time. And may Laura be a beautiful bridesmaid in a couple of weeks. Amen. Amen, that's wonderful. Thank you very much. I think you're going to come back at the end of the month to say goodbye, maybe. That's brilliant. And they'll be at the uh, INET uh, conference uh, coming up, so do pray for them, not this coming week, but the week after at the conference.
Let's go from Hong Kong to 1 John and let's welcome Pastor Sam, who's dressed up for the occasion. What's up? Wagwan. Yeah, I would teach you some street lingo, but we don't have much time today, so I'll just move straight on uh, with the talk. And the young people will be very sad to miss out on that. Hi, you guys. No? Nothing? Um, uh, Later on, in just about 15, 20 minutes' time, uh, we get to baptize Scott Lawrence. How good is that? Everyone's wondering, how did he get this far? (laughs) Before someone pushed him in a pool. So uh, we're going to do that later, um, which is a great privilege. Baptism is an amazing symbol um, of what moving into life with Jesus is. Um, You go under the water as a sign of dying to an old way of life, and then you rise up as as a sign of new life happening, as a sign of a new commitment to Jesus in purity and dedication. Um, And so we've got big hope for Scott. If he's this good before baptism, um, what's he going to be like this afternoon? You know, so um, we're really excited about that. Um, and really it's that, that death and life that gives us a wonderful segue into our theme today, which is we're looking at um, the writer John in the Bible. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at different things that John loves to talk about. Um, John's one of the writers in the Bible. He wrote a, the Gospel of John and 1, 2, and 3 John. Um, and Revelation, maybe? Yeah, great. Um, and he's got a few, he's one of those people who always talks about the same stuff. How many of you know a person like that? How many of you are sitting next to them? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and the few things that John loves to talk about are the things that we've spent the last few weeks talking about. John loves to talk about the theme of love. He loves love. Um, He loves to talk about the theme of life and death, which is what we're looking at today. He loves to talk about the ideas around light and darkness and what it means to walk in the light and live as children of light. And he loves that and a bunch of others. Um, And today, just coincidentally, or is it good planning, uh, we're looking at John talking about the theme of life. So if you have a Bible and are open at 1 John, all well and good. If not, we'll be through it quick, don't worry. Um, I'm hoping to talk for less long than I normally talk for, just to give you a little bit of hope. So we should, we should be done by one. Um, 1 John uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. John starts like this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared... We have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Okay, just even in the start of the book there, those first few verses, the word life comes up a few times. We're just going to look at it. Um, First of all, see, I don't know what verse it is because I didn't write them out, but can you see where it says, this we proclaim concerning the word of life? Yeah? Yeah? Isn't that interesting that he sees it as a word of life? Like John's talking about his experience of Jesus, right? He's talking about him meeting Jesus. 
and went and, and him touching Jesus and experiencing Jesus and listening to Jesus. And he says that that is, that experience is that gospel, that good news is a word of life. Now that's amazing because that means that Christianity is fundamentally about life. It's not a word of rules or a word of the law or a word of religion. It's a word of life. And what we see as people meet Jesus in the Bible is that everyone who meets him experiences life in some way. Everyone who meets him, it's like people like look at that moment and they're like, wow, it's like I came to life, like I experienced um, new life. It's like when you meet Jesus, you come alive. Um, and so it's a word of life. So John's really excited about this life um, straight up. And he says, the life appeared. The life appeared. What does that look like? The life appeared. Blue on a stick for Yvonne. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Hey, Stevie. <laughs> Let's talk about that some more. Um, no, kidding. Um, the life appeared. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think what John's saying is I was going through life and things were normal. I was, I was just, you know, doing life and stuff was okay and whatever. I was meandering through like so many people. And then I met Jesus and it was like life, real life, appeared in front of me. Like I'd never seen it before. And I was like, wow, that's what life is all about. And then he says, we've seen it and testify to it. What he's basically saying there is, once I caught a glimpse of Jesus, that's my topic for life. Once I caught a glimpse of Jesus, I'm not going to talk about anything else. Like, I'm excited about Jesus. I'm never going to stop being excited about Jesus. But then he says something really strange. We proclaim to you the eternal life, the eternal life. Now, when you think of eternal life, what do you think of? Well, yeah, good. Uh, but then he says, then we, we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. What was with the Father and has now appeared to us? So what is the eternal life? How cool is that? That's my first lesson. The life is Jesus. See, sometimes we think of Jesus as our ticket to life. But he's actually the life itself. He's actually the experience itself. He's actually the, the prize itself. The pri- it's not like Jesus just opens a door so we can run past him. Bye, Jesus, and enjoy heaven. The prize is Jesus. The prize is communion with Jesus. He is the life. And that's why um, he said the crazy things. Well, John says in John chapter 1, so not 1 John 1, but John 1, easy. Um, in him, in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. He says in 1 John chapter 5, Jesus is the true God and he is eternal life. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the easy. I am the bread of excellent. Um, I am the resurrection and the do you get the point? Jesus is it. And one of the things that Scott's doing today is he's rising into new life in Jesus. Well, I I think you've already done it. It's more of a symbol. Is it? Luke? (laughs) Sacramental man over here. Um, No, I know there's a few of you hiding. Um, But uh, it's not, it's more than a symbol, but it's not, you know, whatever. Oh dear. Um, But But I think what this is basically saying, oh, another one, whoever has the son has life. Great. Um, Now, this is really, really, really amazing because what your baptism you're saying is I'm making my whole life about Jesus, about Jesus' life, about him. He isn't something you ever graduate from. 
And Scott's not graduating through Jesus today. He's making a statement that he's moved into life with Jesus. Life is Jesus. And if Scott ever loses Jesus, he loses everything. Don't lose Jesus. Amen. Now, um, let's move on. How long have I been going? Great. Fine. Okay, 1 John chapter 2. What is this life for us? As for you, he says in verse 24, I see that you have heard, uh, see to it that what you have heard from the beginning, which is the message about Jesus, remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. You hear that? So what does eternal life look like? Now, often we hear the words eternal life and we think life after I die. How many of your minds kind of slightly do that a little bit? A lot of us. My mind does that. Like, I think eternal life is what happens after I die. I get raised up by Jesus. I get to meet Jesus and that's it. We get to party. Um, Now, that's not quite what John means. Okay, so can we just look at this for a minute and I'll explain to you what John means. I'll correct your theology and you'll have a perfect understanding of Jesus from here on out. Um, The phrase eternal life in Greek, Moss isn't here, so I get to say it how I like. Thanks, Chris. Um, uh, Zoe Ionian, I think. We'll go with that for the moment, okay? Zoe, which is where we get the name Zoe from. It's a nice name. And then Ionian, which means of the age. It means life of the age. And life of the age was like a hope that the Jewish people had that one day God would come, make his kingdom among the people, and they would experience the fullness of what relationship with God meant which means freedom from sickness, freedom from darkness, freedom from death, life, everything's great, it's all good. That's what they were hoping for, the life of the age. They weren't mainly thinking, when I die, I'll get the life of the age. They were mainly thinking, one day God's going to intervene in human history, raise the dead, and the living will be not need to be raised because they'll be a living, and then God will sort everyone out, uh, that's the judgment, and then we'll have the life of the age. Life, as it's translated in your Bibles, eternal life. Does that make sense? Oh dear, I've lost you all already. That's not great. Um, Now, (laughs) what John is trying to say is that that life of the age isn't a distant thing that you get a ticket to when you become a Christian. It's something that begins now. It's something that starts now. So it's eternal quantitatively, in terms of it will never stop, but it's also eternal, it's also full qualitatively now. Does that make sense? Great. So if you're a Christian, you have eternal life. And eternal life, according to this, is remaining in the Son and in the Father. So life is about being with him, and it starts now, what Scott's not saying today is that I've taken out like an eternal divine insurance policy that when I die, I get to be saved from the fiery pit of hell and go and be with Jesus. That's great, but it's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that this life is happening now. There's a death, there's a resurrection that's taken part in everyone here who's accepted Jesus. And that means that we're walking in newness of life now. So Jesus says this very strange thing in John 5. He says, whoever believes in me has crossed over from death to life. Cool? Great. Uh, He then says something cool as well. 
Jesus says a lot of cool things. A time is coming and has now come. Say has now come. Good. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will rise. A time is coming. So we just put that in the future. Has now come when the dead, that's us. (laughs) That's us in our non-Jesusness. Hear the voice of Jesus calling and live. And he's calling us. He's calling us. He's speaking to us. And he asks us, would you hear my voice? Would you listen to the words of Jesus and experience real life? And it starts now. It's good, isn't it? Great. So what does that life look like? What does that life look like? Now, this was a problem for the early church as well. Because what should we expect from ourselves if we're experiencing the life of the age, the new life in Christ? And some people felt like, even back then, that the sign of experiencing the life of Jesus must be that you kind of walk with some especially holy sheen about your charisma. Or maybe like, like an extra polished halo or something. Or, you know, you levitate a few feet off the, a few inches off the ground. Um, for Scott, sadly, that last one isn't true. I could use the few extra inches. Um, that was a low blow, Nigel. <laughs> I basically set up that whole thing so I could make a short joke about Scott. Um, but what is the sign that the life of Jesus is at work in him, is at work in us? John makes it dead easy for us. 1 John three fourteen to 15, he says this. We know that we have passed from death to life because we... Can anyone remember? Can anyone remember what it says next? Because we love one another. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. Isn't that great? Living with Jesus is just so practically applicable to our lives. And it's not saying you're going to just have no concerns ever and be completely, you know, you'll just glide down the street and everyone you touch will come to faith immediately um, and, you know, whatever. It's saying there's a practical outworking of the life of Jesus in your lives and it's that you love one another. There's two kind of ways that the Holy Spirit, uh, this is very bad theology, but there's broadly speaking, Two ways that the Holy Spirit loves to move in our lives, very broadly. Okay, there are two of many ways that the Holy Spirit likes to move in our lives. One of them is to give us gifts that we share. And those gifts are skills and abilities that God needs his church to have. And so he gives them to um, each of us and we get to share them with each other so that everyone gets to play. So those gifts are things like, you know, uh, prophecy and tongues and... um, Words of knowledge and uh, being excellent at uh, administration and singleness and all those kind of great things. Um, and then there are fruits. So there are uh, fruit. Sorry, Paul. You're quite right. Uh, so there's the gifts over here. Um, and then there's fruit of the Spirit. Can anyone just put their hand up and list all nine? Nige. Wow. He even got them in the right order. Nige, how many of them would you say are at work in your life? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it's all one fruit, he said. <laughs> yeah. Great. Uh, good. 
Uh, where was I going to go with that? Oh, yeah, here's the thing. I went to a church. Where, Melissa had a gap year in France one time, um, and I went to a church with her once, and I was trying to listen to the preach, and it was in French, and I didn't really understand most of it. And then I remembered a bit because I was so proud that I understood it in French. Um, I can't remember it in French, but I'll basically say what he said. He said this, most Christians look for spiritual gifts to see if someone has the life of God in them, to see if someone has the Holy Spirit in them. And I think that's not correct. I think what we should be looking for is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the real proof that the life of Jesus is at work in you. Now, that may seem too simplistic, but I think there's really something there, isn't there? What marks out someone who's come to life in Jesus? Really simple. They start to look like Jesus. It's just obvious. It should be obvious. Is it obvious to all of us? Great. Um, so if you're someone who's come to life in Jesus, given your life to Jesus, um, we should be starting to expect that. 1 John 4.16 says, Whoever lives in love lives in God. And God lives in them. And how did Jesus love? Well, he loved every day, didn't he? He loved by looking out for people who were not doing well. He loved by making time for his mates. He loved by making time for his family. He loved by being generous. Ultimately, he loved the God who was love, who appeared to us, loved by laying down his life. The God who is life laid down his life. And so what we step into as followers of Jesus, and what Scott's saying today, I I didn't tell you this beforehand, but this is what you're saying today, is that we're prepared to actually lay our life down for another. We're prepared to give ourselves in service of the other. Um, But the martyrdom celebration will have to wait till next week. Uh, But yeah, so Jesus laid down his life in love, and that's what we're called to. So three things about life. Jesus is the life. It never moves past being about Jesus. Life as a Christian never graduates from that. He is it. Secondly, it gets to begin now. You don't have to wait. Thirdly, you get to live it out in the everyday with the people around you. And that's why we're going to baptize Scott in a little bit. Is that okay? That was really short. I did great. Now, uh, what shall I get Scott up? Do you want to take over? I'll finish. More Lord. Amen. Nigel. Amen. Sam started preparing today's talk at five o'clock this morning, so we obviously don't need to pay him for the rest of the week normally, so uh, wasn't that good? We got a short talk spot on, on the day, freshly baked by the Holy Spirit. Before we get Scott up to give his testimony, let's sing again, and we're going to sing a song called The River get our hearts and heads around baptism. If someone could go out and tell Children's Church that we're going to have, in three minutes' time, there'll be a testimony in the baptisms just so they know where we're at. But let's stand together and sing this, then we're going to hear from Scott. It's wonderful. We want to meet God there, don't we, in the river of his spirit. Take a seat, and Mr. Scott Lawrence, why don't you come to the front? And perhaps first of all, you could tell us a bit about your spiritual journey thus far. Sure. Um, Nigel said earlier that he wondered how I didn't get baptised so early. The reality is that he actually asked me quite a while ago to get baptised, I think January, February time. And I said, I am committed to Jesus, Nigel, but I'm not that committed to get baptised in January. So let's wait till summer and go for that. Um, So that's why we're here now. 
But, okay, my life journey. Basically, I went to church as a child with my mum and my nan to a little Methodist in my rural town of Attleboro in Norfolk, and I learned all of the Bible stories, heard all the morality, and understood a bit of God's heart. Um, And so I went into university at Loughborough, um, actually with a lot of questions. Um, I was confirmed, actually, in the Methodist Church when I was 15. I made a commitment. I didn't do the full deal of being submerged, but I, I was confirmed as at 15 years old. And then when I went to Loughborough, uh, to uni, I just saw a lot of things um, that I was uncomfortable with. Um, so for those that don't know, Loughborough's a very sporty uni, uh, so that brings a lot of carnage and mayhem with it. Um, and I was put into uh, the cheapest hall on my campus uh, alongside the social sec and the, the hall for um, the campus. Uh, so yeah, it was a bit of a crazy um, flat. And that brought about a lot of questions. I saw a lot of things, and I was suddenly put in a place where I thought, how come people think differently to me? Because up to 18, you're surrounded by your family, you you know what you know, um, you know what they know, and and you just believe that as standard. And then when you see other people stepping out, what I saw in, in dark places, and how did they not know that that wasn't a good good place to be? And so suddenly I was corrupt. Uh, questioning morality and I was saying how, how am I in this place where I think so strongly and differently to how many of these people here are conducting their lives and not in a pride sense just from a confused place of I just thought this was how people worked in life um, and so then I, I began to question things and I obviously I had my upbringing in the church I'd, I'd confirm myself um, uh, as a follower of Jesus but I don't think personally I really understood Uh, what happened on the cross at that point. So I knew a lot of the stories. I knew God loved us and was gracious. But I didn't fully get uh, the extent of how personal Jesus dying on the cross was for me. Um, And so I started reading a little book that was, um, I think it was something like, Is the Resurrection True? Very kind of uh, fact-based. But when I was reading this, I got to the point of uh, Jesus' death. And you know in the story that darkness comes over the land, the, the temple curtain is torn in two. Anyway, I don't know if this was a miracle or pure coincidence, but in the time of reading and questioning these things, there was actually a mini earthquake uh, in Loughborough, and it, it spread across the uh, Midlands. And everyone, I think this was in like 2007, 2008, um, and everyone on campus kind of went out of the hall and were just looking at each other like, what just happened? I don't, did something just happen? Yeah, something just happened. I, th- I think that earth moved. Did the earth move? And everyone was just a bit confused because we don't often experience nature like that. And so whether that was God or it wasn't God, I was like, wow, we are vulnerable. And if God is in control of nature, he is very powerful. Um, and at that point, I, I decided let's, let's go and let's experience the Christian world here in Loughborough. Um, And I saw a Christmas carol service advertised at my local Christian union, and I went along. And to be honest, one of the first things I thought was, there's quite a lot of nice girls here who I could definitely get to know. Um, And so then I continued to go to Loughborough Christian Union, and then eventually they trapped me because they said, Scott, we think you're you're really good at this stuff. Why don't you come and help us lead um, one of our Bible study groups in a... In, in halls. And, and so I did that in my second year. I was part of the CU and led with a, with a girl a, a, a simple Bible study uh, every, every Monday evening. And I very quickly began to see my life change and, 
and that kind of journey with Jesus continue, which was exciting. Um, and then another mini miracle, I'd like to call it, um, was I started attending a Church of England uh, church in Loughborough. Um, and it all started by actually a guy I really detested on my course came up to me and said, I think you're a Christian and uh, I'm a Christian too. Do you want to come to church with me? And I was just like, I actually hate everything about your character and this really challenges me right now. Um, But I put that to one side and I said, yeah, let's do this. Um, And we went to church. We did become good friends over time. Um, And yeah, again, that really settled me in in my Christian faith. And then when I was there, one evening, um, this random, and this sounds harsh, but when you're a student, you're definitely in a little bit of a bubble. So you often just meet with other students. You don't really know what's going on with locals in Loughborough. And even in church, you often just neglect the other people. Um, But this 40-year-old woman came up to me after... um, church when I was standing with my um, Christian friends, and she just said, hi there, I know you don't know me, Uh, you've been in the church for a little while, I've been looking at you, and I was like, oh no, where is this going? Um, And and she said, the Lord just told me, and then I was like, oh no, what is happening here? The Lord just told me that he wants you to um, run a Bible study with me. Uh, And then I was really like, oh no. So I quickly said, oh, no, that, that, the Lord can't be right there because I actually already run a Bible study um, with the Christian Union. Sorry about that. Um, and then after a few seconds, I was like, no, actually, I need, maybe I need to give this time. I was like, tell me more about this Bible study. And she's like, well, it's on a Monday night at 8 p.m. and it, um, it will start in September. And I was like, damn, that's actually, that's the new term. That's when my, uh, my role ends with... Uh, doing the Bible study with the CU, and it's exactly the same time and day of the week as my existing one. So I said, you know what, I think you might have been right about what the Lord said, and let's go for this. So then I journeyed together with the community of that church a little bit more. As by, as when you take a role in church, you actually then are forced to speak to people. So I moved out of the student bubble and actually spoke to people of other ages, which was really nice and rewarding. Um, so I did that and continued to be part of my church in Loughborough, And that was all very exciting. Uh, And then I took another step and did a graduate year with UCCF, the Christian Unions. So that's a charity that um, basically supports all of the Christian Union societies across universities in the country. Uh, And I met Dion Ashley Arthur there, who became one of my best friends and basically just listened to me rant about girls for a year in McDonald's. So thank you for that. Um, that. That is the true service of a friend, I would like to say. Um, And that was very exciting. And then I just had this naive idea about my business, which was, if I'm going to start my business, obviously I have to start it in London. And really, I didn't think anything through other than that. And then Dion had a a room up for grabs, and so I I moved here, and and that's how I'm uh, kind of here now. But so, yeah, just at university, I really began to understand some of the theology and the personal application of Jesus dying on the cross for me, for me, for other people, obviously, for everyone, but for me. And when I realized how powerful that was, it made me run more and more. Um, so that's where I'm at. Um, and why am I getting baptized? So there's, I would say there's kind of three, three main reasons. The first one is, from a headspace point of view, I know that I love Jesus. And it's great just to say, I'm going to get baptized, because... 
the Bible says, go and be baptized, repent and be baptized. So I want to follow that plan. And while I've had my confirmation and my christening, like I said earlier, I didn't really get the full deal. So I'd love to be submerged and go for it. So from a headspace, it's like, let's take that step and let's move forward. From the second point, I know from speaking to many people, uh, they've had wonderful phenomenons, Holy Spirit falling on them uh, in baptism. Don't know whether that'll happen to me, but I'd love, to, I'd love that to happen. So let's go for it and, and see what happens there. And from the third uh, point would be just a commitment as well to my local church. I've come here for a couple of years now. I've built lifetime friends. And I've found a church that's very real, very humble, very honest, has empowering leaders. Um, and it's a way to say, yeah, I'm here and I'm not planning to move. Sorry, Nodge. Um, yeah, let's go for this. Actually, one, my first encounter of Nigel was also phenomenal because I remember sitting here. I think it was the second kind of meeting I'd been to, and he came up to me and he just said, "So, Scott, what you know? What do you do?" And I was like, "Well, I'm trying to start my own business, and I've just kind of turned up here in London. Um, yeah, I do some kind of graphics and website." He's like, "Oh, that's interesting. Do you need any office space?" And I was like, um, Yes, sure. Um, and he said, okay, come, come to Sydenham High Street uh, on Wednesday. And I went, to, I went to here for good, and he showed me around. And we, we, we got out, uh, outside of the venue, and he just handed me the keys and said, here you go, you can have that desk upstairs, um, maybe see you tomorrow. And I was like, wow, this is a leader who, one, trusts me, which is great, uh, but also uh, just empowers other people with with the resources that he's been given and the church has been given through God. So thank you so much, Nigel. Thank you for the whole team and all, yeah, all my great and close friends here. So, yeah, that would be the third reason. Fantastic. Before you sit down, just got uh, a baptism certificate for Scott, and we've chosen Psalm 1 for him, part of which says, Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, but their delight is in the word of the Lord. In all they do, they prosper. Fantastic.